Okay. Good morning. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. We are so pleased to have in our studio today on the phone Senator Jim Whalen from the state of New Jersey. Senator Whalen, thank you for joining us on the program. Thank you for having us. As you know, we're doing a, a radio documentary on Atlantic City. And I think one of the best authorities in Atlantic City would be you because you served as mayor for four terms. Can you give uh, our listening audience just a little bit overview of your your background? Well, actually it was three terms, uh, to be precise. But prior to that, I did two terms on city council. Um, And um, in my day job, my my other career, of course, mayor of Atlantic City is full-time, but while I was on council and even now as a member of the Senate, uh, I'm a school teacher in Atlantic City. I have a wonderful position there because um, it's fourth and fifth grade kids and citywide that, that uh, I teach to swim. My background uh, personally is I was a competitive swimmer and coach in my younger days and, and had the opportunity to teach swimming when they built an elementary school in your old neighborhood, as a matter of fact. Okay. The Westside Complex. It's yes. called the Martin Luther King Complex. And as that uh, uh, pool... They put a pool in there. Uh, I was uh, at that point. I was t- coaching a Temple University swim team. Oh. Uh, but my wife, who's from Atlantic City, uh, and uh, I had spent my summers in Atlantic City lifeguarding and so on from the time I was a baby. But we decided we really wanted to be in Atlantic City, so we moved to Atlantic City. And um, again, uh, school teacher, got into politics, two terms on council, three terms as mayor. Uh, went back to teaching when I left the mayor's office, and then uh, joined the state legislature in. Uh, 2006. The election was 2005. I got sworn in 2006. So it's a little bit of the background. And um, Atlantic City is a, a very interesting place. I think there's two general comments that I would make, and then we can get into some specifics. The first is we're the smallest big city in the country. Um, by most measures, Atlantic City is is a big city. It's a big city in terms of its diversity. It's a big city in terms of let's say aging infrastructure. A big city in terms of uh, its economic impact, even by name recognition, uh, it's it's a big city. But fundamentally, it's a small town. Our population is less than forty thousand, uh, and um, you know when you rank New Jersey's you know more populous cities, we're not even in, in, in six figures. Where we're you know uh, so that that presents interesting challenges and interesting opportunities. I think the the um, the opportunities come from the fact that with a city this size, you can get your arms around things. Uh, if you're in New York City or Philadelphia, where where I grew up, going to school and attend a temple and so on, you you can fix maybe the problems of one neighborhood, or to put it into uh, urban terms, let's say one uh, police precinct. You can concentrate on that and, and, and drive the crime out of one particular precinct. But, you know, it goes to the next precincts. It goes to the surrounding precincts. Whereas in Atlantic City, uh, we're small enough that, again, you can get your arms around it by most big city standards. We're, we're at even a full precinct. Uh, Philadelphia's typical precinct would be a population of around seventy to 80,000. So uh, it's something you can get your arms around, whether it's uh, policing problems or school problems or uh, other, other issues like that. 
uh, one of the things that I did as mayor, for example, uh, and your sister was somewhat involved in this, your sister was our director of uh, Health and Human Services, uh, we set up a program called Youth Build, where we identify at-risk young people, typically they may be a high school dropout, they may have had some minor uh, skirmishes with law enforcement, nothing major, uh, and we put them into a program where they got some training, and, uh, you know, it, in our case, it not only helped, and we, we, we might have 20 to 30 people at a time in a class like that, it not only helped them get the job training and the life skills they need to be successful in the, in, in the workforce, but in a city the size of Atlantic City, if you, if you can turn out two or three of those classes in a year, it actually starts to impact your unemployment rate because we're so small. Again, if you did that in Philadelphia or New York, okay, you're, and, they, and they have youth built programs in those cities, at least they did back then, um, you're impacting positively the lives of the people who you are, uh, in, in, who are in the program, but you're not really impacting your unemployment rate because you, you have a city of million-plus people, or in the case of New York, you know, millions of people. Uh, so, again, it's, it's something you can get your arms around, uh, which, which is a good thing. The, uh, and, if you the help the un- and if you help the unemployment rate, of course, you're, you're decreasing the crime rate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, these are, these are potential um, people who would be part of those crime stats. If not for, hey, here's a program, here's an opportunity to get some job skills and, and get into a, really concentrate on construction trades, perhaps get into a, a union or get into the construction field. And we had some success stories. We didn't bat a, we didn't bat a thousand, quite honestly. But um, so, so, again, you're impacting positively both your unemployment rate and your crime rate. So, so that's, that's kind of the opportunity. The challenge is, um, and, and the challenge in part comes from the second generalization I would make about Atlantic City, and some people get annoyed at me when I say this. I don't know how you, you will feel as a native son. <laughs> but um, Atlantic City is at heart a carnival town. And the carnival used to come to a town and spend a week and then move to the next town and spend a week, and move to the next town and spend a week. And people would go to the carnival, and they kind of knew they were going to be uh, conned a little bit, that maybe not, you know, they'd spend three dollars to win a one dollar Cupid doll or whatever the uh, whatever the game was. But you know, so it goes. It was there for a week, and it was some fun and excitement, and then it moved on. Atlantic City was a different model. We were here, and people came for a week and stayed, and then they left and went home to. Uh, upstate New Jersey or Pennsylvania or somewhere generally in the mid-Atlantic region. We exaggerated when we said we were the world's playground. Uh, but we certainly were the mid-Atlantic playground for New Jersey and eastern Pennsylvania and uh, Delaware and even parts of Maryland down to Washington. Um, but the people would come for a week and leave, and then the next week a different group of people would come on vacation and so on. And um, one of the after effects of that is that there's a certain uh, ethic, frankly, that is in the town that, um, it, you know, is, is a carnival ethic. Um, and, you know, we have seen that, unfortunately, uh, show itself through a number of scandals, uh, both, uh, quite frankly, before I was mayor and, and after I was mayor. I was uh, proud of the fact that through the 12 years that we were there, uh, that we didn't have uh, that issue at the at the 
at a high, at a high level in government. And that's a but, very, um, very key issue, Senator Whalen. I talked about this in one of my interviews with one of my other guests, and, and I, I was hoping that my statistic was correct. But uh, during your tenure, no one in your administration was indicted, charged, or went to jail, which is, which is a really credit to, to you and the team that you put together. Well, and even more than that, um, one of the things that we did because we 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 knew going in that we had some we had some problem areas. Uh, the paint and sign shop, for example, where literally uh, the the employees there would take the city truck and the city paint and go out and paint private malls. Um, the same thing with the tow lot, where we had um, concerns there, where. Um, you know, the, the numbers didn't add up, and, and we were fairly aggressive about uh, cleaning those problems up and making sure that we used the Atlantic City Police Department to do it. We were tired of having state police or federal law enforcement come in, and we want to show that these were matters that um, that could be done, as I say, internally, and, and, and we, were, we were aggressive with that. I was fortunate that, that we did have a good team of people. Uh, one of the interesting things, and this goes back to what we were talking about, when we had a problem in code enforcement, and literally one of the inspectors who was jammed up in this problem uh, said to the investigators, but we've always done it this way. Mm-hmm. As if, well, you know, of course this is how we do it. We don't go out and inspect the buildings. We just sell the, the, the certificate of occupancy across the desk, you know, and we've always done it this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, as if that's, that's a defense, and I think that goes back to that carnival mentality that, um, you know, everybody's kind of in a little bit on the con, and, um, you know, again, that's, that's part, of, uh, part of the charm of Atlantic City, quite honestly, but also is, is part of the challenge. You know, I, I've never heard that phrase before, but I would have to agree with you in regards to the, the, the carnival ethic. Uh, I grew up, as, as you know, and I worked at the Million Dollar Pier, so I'm very familiar with folks coming in uh, for a week or a weekend and they would play their different games and, you know, as you said, you know, spend $5 to, to win a $1 prize or, or have some very high-priced ice cream. Uh, but, that, but that was the allure of Atlantic City. But as Atlantic City uh, would like to tout itself as the world's playground, um, there's serious issues with the crime. And this Youth Build program that you spoke about, is that Youth Build program, is that still uh, in practice in Atlantic City? No, unfortunately, after I left the mayor's office, it, it was shut down. Um, there are some other programs. Um, uh, one is a mentoring program, again, that your that your sister as director of Health and Human Services started when um, uh, when I was mayor uh, that, that takes uh, a little younger population. The youth bill program targeted people 18 to 25, so sort of a post-high school uh, population. Um, and typically, as I say, they had dropped out. This this is a more adolescent program that takes uh, young uh, African-American um, population, maybe 13 to uh, 15, 16, mm-hmm. called Rites of Passage. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they get mentored, and they get, uh, they get some doses of reality. I mean, one of the, one of the uh, realities of dealing with um, that population uh, is that you, you really have to be, you have to keep it real, if you, to use a cliche, but uh, you can't sugarcoat it, and you got to go in and say, look, if you, if you make some good decisions and some right decisions, here's a path that, 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 will, that will open up to you. 
but if you if you make some wrong decisions in terms of who your friends are and what you do and uh, cutting school and, and sliding that way, here is the path that's going to open to you in terms of uh, you know getting into trouble and, and, and consigning yourself to low end type jobs if you drop out of high school or worse if you fall into uh, criminal activity and so on. So. Uh, I think that's been a been a, been a successful program that uh, that is still going on. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, that's uh, one of the stubborn realities of uh, Atlantic City, and one of the things that that we learned uh, perhaps first, because when casinos came in, um, the referendum passed in '76, and and the first casino opened in '78. One of the things that we learned was that the help warrant sign in and of itself is not the cure for hardcore unemployment. Mm-hmm. Hardcore unemployment is as much a social problem as it is an economic problem. Mm-hmm. We had jobs plenty, but we still had a very stubborn unemployment rate. And in part, it was um, the life skills, if you will, that uh, people uh, who never had had steady work you know, like you say, you worked a million dollar pier in the summertime. No matter how good a job you did, and you 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 did it as a student, but there were some adults. Oh, there were a lot of adults. I was I was fortunate. I was one of the few students. Yeah. No matter how good a job you did, million dollar pier was shutting down in September. Right. Conversely, no matter how bad a job you did, they needed you in the summer. So the odds are you got to screw up pretty bad to get fired. Right. Right. So that is not conducive to creating a work ethic and lifestyle that is going to give you successful employment. So, uh, again, we learned that uh, hardcore unemployment is as much a social problem as it is an economic problem, and uh, through programs like Youth Build, and now uh, I know, like, for example, Borgata uh, had a successful outreach into the Atlantic City community when they opened. That's the last casino that opened. And Rebel's doing the same thing. I attended several of the job seminars that Revel did. And they did something very interesting. Very interesting. And you you, you know the Atlantic City community as yes. well as I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They started, if the meeting was called for 7 o'clock, they started on the dot at 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And there were people straggling in. And, you know, if you straggled in, it was pretty obvious. You were late. Right. And right. they weren't they weren't given 5 or 10 minutes to, for people to kibitz and the way a, a lot of times, you know, meetings will go to, and I go to meetings for a living to an extent. Absolutely. Um, yes. You know, and, and okay, well, 7 o'clock, you know, 7 o'clock really means 7.15. No, no, no. This is a job situation. 7 o'clock means 7 o'clock. Bang. 7 o'clock, we're starting. I was there. Wow. Some people were shocked. Uh-huh. They were like, oh, we're starting on time. And and one of the things they had said in their flyers, one-hour meeting. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we want to start at 7 we want to get you home by 8 o'clock. You came here, give us an hour. We're going to tell you what you need to do to get, you, to get prepared to be an employee of Rebel. One of the things we do, we start on time, we end on time. Now, so, um, so if you were five minutes late or ten mm-hmm. minutes late, the, the point was made. You know, this is, this is professionalism, be on time. Now, Pastor Days, I, I had him on the program, and um, he said one of his concerns is that uh, a lot of the folks, uh, the African-Americans in Atlantic City, one of the, the two issues that they struggle with is, one, uh, some of them have uh, a criminal record, whether it's it's a minor offense. They have a criminal record, which does not allow them to work 
in a casino, and unfortunately some of them have uh, drug issues. And he felt that the uh, the outreach from the casinos is nice, but they really need to address the the laws in regards to how people can what are the laws that require people to be employed by the casino what what is your viewpoint in regards to uh working with individuals who have served their time they've made their debt to society but they have this issue of having a criminal offense whether it's uh, marijuana possession or the intent to distribute or whatever it is but now they're 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 really trying they want to do the right thing um how can the laws uh, address that situation so that those who want to be employed and are employable uh, uh, would have the opportunity to be employed? Well, hopefully I think we have addressed the one piece of it, the, the casino piece, where uh, a record does not bar you from casino employment other than uh, jobs that directly deal with the money. Mm-hmm. So, so you can work... Um, you can work as a, as a, and you can work off the casino floor in jobs even that do deal with the money. You can be a waiter, you can be a bartender, um, you can be um, a housekeeper, uh, you can be a chef, uh, valet parker, up and down the line. Um, you can't be a dealer, let's say, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or work to change in the casino itself, right? Uh, or work the count room or so on. So, and that that rule is modified. To address in part the problem you just you just mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, that Reverend Days talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the other the other part of this, I think, we really need to, and I get again, this is an issue where I wind up getting myself in a little bit of trouble uh, with with some people. But I, I really think we need to revisit uh, our drug laws and our expungement policies and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I see too often, quite frankly. I mean, it's easier to get an expungement for uh, for a drunk driving charge mm-hmm. than it is for a marijuana charge or a drug charge. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, if you if you do the uh, statistical analysis, the demographic analysis of that, more often than not, I mean, the, the, the drunk driving tends to be more of a white middle class crime, and the drug crimes tend to be more in the African American community. Um, why aren't they being treated equally? Right. Uh, so, and and again, we've done some things. Assembly uh, Woman Bonnie Watson Coleman has been in the forefront of that, but I think we need to. Uh, we really need to, you know, look at look at that entire thing. I mean, uh, first off, the 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 war on drugs, which which goes back to you know the, the '60s when I was in in high school and college and so on. Um, you know, we haven't been real successful. We spend a lot of money. And I'm not advocating legalization of drugs, but I, I do think we ought to decriminalize some of this. Our, our prison population is overflowing with with nonviolent drug offenders. Uh, it just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. So I think we really need to revisit that whole uh, policy uh, of of what we're doing with um, uh, with drug offenders and, and how we treat them both up front and how we treat them throughout the process. It doesn't make sense to lock people up, throw them in mm-hmm. jail, mm-hmm. Uh, give them a long sentence, have them come out and not be able to get an expungement, not be able to get to, to get decent employment. So, right, right. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, we, and again, we've taken some very small steps in the right direction with drug court and things like that, but I think we need, I think we need to expand those type of programs. And I think that's, a, that's really a national issue. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, whether, when we will get there or how long it will take us to get there, if we ever do get there, 
but but back to the first point, New Jersey has um, really relaxed its standard with regard to working in the casino hotel mm-hmm. uh, for for people with records. Uh, we we also have some some other employers, and I, I will tell you a. Uh, uh, a quick story again. You're familiar with Atlantic City, but we had a laundry in town, a commercial laundry, not not one that you know you, you run and pop run into. They they do the clean of towels and sheets right. for the for most of the casinos. AC AC Linen is the name of the company, mm-hmm. and they were looking to relocate, and we were working it out. We had a site and so on, um, and we met with. Uh, it's, we happened to be right across the street from a church, and we met with the pastor of the church, and um, the owner of the laundry said to the pastor. Uh, a woman named Reverend Fonville. So, Reverend, I will give you, I was a mayor at the time, I will give you the same deal I give the mayor. Reverend Fonville said, well, what's that? He said, I will hire anybody you send to me. So I may not hire them right away, but I will hire them. You know, um, he said, we, we, we ramp up in the spring. We're still a little bit seasonal. He said, so if they come in November, December, I may tell them to come back in March, April, but I will hire them. He said, as long as I have the right to fire them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, and, and he looked, she looked at me and I said, absolutely. I said, we've sent some people over there who have done quite well and some of them are still there. This is, you know, 10, 12 years they've been promoted and they started out pushing a, a big bin around the floor, uh, and they moved up and now they're, they're, they're driving the truck and making more money or supervisor and so on. Conversely, and, and the owner there likes to tell the story, um, he literally fired someone the first morning they were working. <laughs> wow! <laughs> that, we, that we sent over, <laughs> and he likes to he likes to kid me about that. There is, however, one condition that he has. Um, he says, "I have one question I asked during the interview." He says, "Were you in prison for murdering your last boss?" <laughs> if they ever say yes to that, I'm not hiring him. But other than that, and he's he's been very good to his word. So I think uh, my point of that is. Um, you know, yes, we want the casinos to open up, but we also have other employers that, that we should look to. And, uh, in fact, uh, the most recent hire that, that we had over there was someone who was on a work release program. And mm-hmm. I got a call from mm-hmm. the family and said, if, if we can get him a job, so-and-so can get out of prison. Right. So right. We got him a job and got him out of prison. So there are, there are employers in the community who, well, not enough, unfortunately, but there are some who are willing to, uh, uh, to step in and, and help with this. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're here with uh, Senator State Sen- New Jersey State Senator Jim Whalen talking about uh, Miss America, Where Are You, Atlantic City, the radio documentary that we're doing here in WSOU. Uh, Senator Whalen, uh, about crime, it's interesting. I always like to ask uh, uh, a guest in this series this question. What, what, it, does Atlantic City have a crime problem? Like, like every city in America, uh, and certainly every urban community, we, we, yes, we have a crime problem. Unfortunately, it is blown out of proportion. Um, I think because of two factors. One is uh, the crime stats are always based on your permanent population. So if you have a permanent population of slightly under 40,000 and you have a visitor population in terms of uh, workers and, and tourists and people who are visiting the casinos, that on an average makes your population over 100,000, and on summer days or busy holiday weekends can bring your population up to a quarter million or more, um, it's, it's very hard to, to get an accurate picture of what is, in fact, the actual crime. So 
even if it's more of a perception problem, where you say, well, you know, the crime rate, and we've, we've looked at these figures over the years, the crime rate uh, on, on a town of a population per 110 or 120, whatever the average is, when you take in the, the load, really is not that significant. Um, that almost doesn't matter, because if the perception is that it's unsafe, then that's going to keep visitors away, and that's going to keep that's going to affect the economy and the jobs and so on. So, but um, but what about we have a crime problem, but more significantly, we have a we have a uh, public relations problem that that crime is perceived to be worse mm-hmm. than it actually is. Now, from Pastor Day's perspective, uh, of you know, from his perspective, he would say that crime is 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 really bad, as there's 27 unsolved murders in Atlantic City. And well. And, and yeah, we we have had a recent um, over the last year. I think there, I think this calendar year, I think there are thirteen of those murders. Mm-hmm. Most of them are um, are unfortunately gang and violence related. That's why I said we, you know, we do have as as does America, as does mm-hmm. um, urban America in particular. We do have you know the, the same problems that uh, that plague other other you know, urban centers. But I, I don't think it's it's significantly worse, and I would suggest that it's actually statistically a little better. Now that doesn't help the victim of the crime, right? One, mm-hmm. and it doesn't help the perception. If in fact, as we recently had a carjacking, um, you know, it's not consolation to the people that well, this was committed by people from Camden who came down to Atlantic City to steal a car, and you know they wound up uh, uh, stealing the car and shooting the driver and killing him. Um, doesn't matter. It happened in Atlantic City, so mm-hmm. the, the stain is on us. I mean, I think that um, again, uh, if if you, you, this is one of those problems where the the, the solution is a multi pronged attack. You know, yeah. Conservatives like to say we need more cops, we need tougher sentences, so on and so forth. I, I'm with you on the more cops. I'm not necessarily with you with tougher sentences because I. I don't notice a shortage of people taking the place of the people we lock up. Right. But, but yeah, I, the, the visibility of, of police is, you know, I think a deterrent. Mm-hmm. But also, we need other things as well. We need social programs like like a youth build or like rites of passage. Mm-hmm. We need to support those kinds of programs. We need uh, to make sure that there are, in fact, jobs. You know, if we have a youth build program and there's no jobs at the end of the program, we're just kidding these young people. Right. Right. Okay, you go, go through twelve weeks of training. Um, and at the end, you know, you get a certificate. No, go through twelve weeks training, and you get a job. It makes a huge difference. So, uh, I think that you need to attack this on multiple levels. And of course, part of it is, um, unfortunately, getting young people into a different mindset of what um, what should be acceptable behavior. And again, it, uh, that's that's a national problem. I mean, the Crips and the Bloods are national yeah. gangs at this point. Yeah. Senator Whalen, we're uh, almost at, out of time. We have a couple minutes left, but I wanted to leave that time for you to share with us your thoughts on um, what are some of the what do you think is, is is the solution to solving the crime issue in Atlantic City? Well, I think I think a big piece of it is is um, higher police visibility. Uh, I, I'm also an advocate. We in somehow I. I uh, we had limited success with this. We had we had a little bit of success with this, but uh, and I got people from the PBA upset with me when I said this. But you know, I, I again, I teach in Atlantic City. If I go to my former students who are now 
young men and, and women, but more men, let's say, and say, hey, here's job opportunities for you. You know, you're a squared away guy. You went to you went to Atlantic High. You graduated. You're on a football team or basketball team or whatever. You stayed out of trouble. Here's two job applications, one for the fire department, one for the police department. The odds are that African-American gets taken to the fire department and not taking the police department. That that gap is something that, that we need to address. Now, that's not, you know, that's an exaggeration to make the point. Um, and we do have, you know, many fun African-American police officers in Atlantic City, and, and there are efforts to recruit. But uh, we, we need to intensify those and, and find ways to um, to get more police from the African-American community. And again, this is a national issue, um, so that so that we don't have um, that that the gap between police and 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 the, the street culture is there, regardless of what the cop is. But I think it's intensified when you might have a situation and you have three or four squad cars roll up, and you got a bunch of white guys right to be right. quite blunt. Right. So. I think that's something that that we that's one small piece. There is no there is no one single answer. I mean, mm-hmm. if we if we have all black cops tomorrow in Lake City. If that wouldn't solve the crime problem, right? Uh, right. So there is no one answer. But that that has to be a piece of it. More police, uh, a higher percentage of African American police uh, through better recruitment. Maybe maybe we need to open up the um, recruitment process to go to, to go to Rutgers and invite people maybe who didn't grow up in Lake City. And say, hey, come to Lake City if you have an interest in a law, career in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think that's, I think that's one piece. I, again, I think the jobs piece, mm-hmm. um, I, and I think the um, one of the things that uh, that I'm an advocate of. Uh, I think that the public housing with 30 seconds, Senator. Army, army. We have 30 seconds. <laughs> okay. Well, I think I think the large scale public housing projects generally mm-hmm. don't work, and I think we need to. Uh, we need to revisit that and, and do more things like the Hope Sticks programs where uh, the low income is mixed into uh, the, the home ownership programs as opposed to concentration of the low income all in one spot. Well, Senator, I tell you, if your schedule permits, I would love to have you come back on the program because we have much more to talk about. And I want to thank you for your time today. And ladies and gentlemen, we're here with State Senator, New Jersey State Senator Jim Whalen, and we're talking about Atlantic City, Miss America, where are you? Uh, uh, Senator Whalen, thanks again for coming on the program. Thank you for the opportunity. We appreciate it. Nice talking with you. You're welcome. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great day.